hey, this is Pastor Brad of One Love Church, and I just wanted to real quickly thank you for stopping by the podcast. If you'd like to find out more about One Love Church, it's pretty easy to do. Just look us up online at onelovechurch.org. And even better than that, I personally invite you to come and join us this Sunday at One Love. We have two worship times at 10 and at 11.30, both times the exact same, full of children's ministries and a nursery. We invite you to join us this Sunday at One Love Church. I have to tell you, because as a, a disciple, I can't let rumors just fester. So I'm squelching it, just letting you know that first service thinks it's way more fun than you. I'm just throwing it out there. What you want to do with that is up to you. You want to have more fun? I knew it. I knew it. That's why I pointed to Trudy. Trudy and Lloyd, this corner back here, watch out. Watch out. Uh, We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. What we're actually talking about today is stewardship. And if you don't know what stewardship is, it's one of those words that we kind of use for a completely different meaning in the church, somewhat. Here's the real definition of it. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. We talk about stewardship in the church is what God has entrusted you with. And 99.9% of the time, what we're talking about is your money. So go ahead and get your wallets out. Pull all your money out, give it to me, and we'll move forward this morning. Entrust me with your cash. Brian. (laughs) Brian's like, I got a baby coming. There ain't none left. There ain't none left. It's okay. (laughs) But that's not what we're doing this morning. What, Trudy? We'll find out together. El Toro cheese. A dollar sixty-seven is like a half a cup. We'll just go for it, which for me is like one chip. But we're way off topic. <laughs> what we're actually talking about today is time. You know, one of the biggest excuses that we give so that we don't have to do what God has called us to do is to use the excuse of time. You don't have enough of it. Someone else is taking it. You give too much of it away, so you have to keep some for yourself. We call that personal time, right? Some of you get paid time off. Some of you don't. Some of you, if you take time off, you don't get paid. So you have to worry about your time in that way. Here's some quotes that I found this week about time that I thought were really good. It is astonishing how long it takes to finish something that you're not working on. Any of you ever get stuck in that loop? You know what that's called in my life? Candy crush. Yeah? Trivia crack. Trivia crack. Greg got me addicted to trivia crack. Robert Frost said, By working faithfully eight hours a day, you may eventually get to be boss and work 12 hours a day. 
Dave Barry once said, if you had to identify in one word the reason why the human race has not achieved and never will achieve its full potential, that word would be meetings. <laughs> Gloria Pitzer, this is my favorite because it's so me. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me not but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> If you had, just by chance, a bank account that started every morning with $86,400, but you had to spend that amount of money before you laid your head on your pillow, because as soon as you did that, you would lose whatever is remaining, I think you, much like me, would do whatever you could to spend that $86,400 before you put your head on the pillow. Amen? Some of you are already thinking about what it is you're going to buy. If you're like Josh Stefano, our great music pastor up here, singing pastor, what do we say? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> then you're already thinking about buying a Tesla. You may or may not know Josh Tesrode, Testrove, Tesrode, whatever, what, I can't talk. A Tesla this week. But my favorite part of Josh's story, if you talk to him about it, is that he did much like all of us probably would have had to do, is he walked into the Tesla store, because they don't have dealerships or stores, and he said, listen, I have no intention, nor can I afford to buy this car today. But I do want to drive it. <laughs> and, they, and they took him out. They said, well, come on. <clears throat> I'm going to try that at the Lamborghini dealership if I can find one. <laughs> like, look. But I'm going to drive. <laughs> the truth is we all wake up every single morning with 6,400 seconds in the 24-hour day that God has given to you to spend before you lay your head on the pillow. And whatever you have left when you lay your head on the pillow at night, that is gone. You cannot get it back. It will not be refunded to you. Whatever you have done in that time period will be placed on your life chart, and you can never change it. The hard part about that is, is so many of us get it wrong, and we want to go back and change it. We want to go back and fix it, or someone in our lives have done their seconds wrong to us, and we want them to go back and change it and go back and fix it. And what we find out as we get older and more mature in our spirituality is that whatever is spent is spent. But what the Bible teaches us is that there is still more to come. And God has given you a mission for the seconds that are to come. So this morning what we're going to talk about is actually in Romans 8. If you've got your Bibles... Turn to Romans chapter 8 or your phones or your iPads or your uh, Android, pro, uh, whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry. Romans 13. I did that this morning too, didn't I? Romans 13. I really want you to be in chapter 8 for some reason, but we're not going there this morning. Read that later. Romans 13. TJ, will you stand up, please? Come on up here. Have a seat right here. Just sit down. I want you all to look. 
at this fine specimen of a man right here. All right, you can go sit down. <clears throat> yeah, now look at this fine specimen of a man. This morning I sat down, I kid you not, I had my zipper down. You want to be embarrassed? Get up to preach, sit down, and watch everyone in front of you go, <laughs> And you're like, God's, God said, I had to do a little spin. I don't even know where I go sometimes. Here we go. Romans chapter 13. What we're going to see in, in Paul's letter. Brad, did you take your meds this morning? No, I'm telling you. Listen, I'm being serious when I say this. I have a problem, and it, it's, uh, it's not quite attention deficit disorder, but it's close, and so I, in the mornings, drink something called um, Spark. Anyone else drink Spark? Get on it. You mix that with the sausage McMuffin I had this morning. We got a whole brew happening in here. How many McMuffins? <laughs> well, okay, quickly. I bought two McMuffins this morning, one for me and one for Greg on my way to church because I knew I was going to be talking about Greg this morning, and I felt bad, so I was going to give him a bribe before church started. Greg was a little late to church, and I was a little more hungry than I thought. So, But I did tell you that I bought you one. Romans chapter 13, speaking of giving love. That was what you were doing, Romans 13. I said, Greg, I bought you a sausage McMuffin with Jesus this morning. He goes, you did? I said, yes, and it was great. (laughs) Romans 13, verse 8, says this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Let's stop there. Most of us in our minds right now are saying to ourselves, but Paul didn't really mean my credit cards. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Paul didn't really mean my car debt. Yeah, he did. And let me tell you why. This isn't a condemnation of the fact that when you want something and you know you can afford it, that you go ahead and get it before you really have the money because you know you can pay for it. God has blessed me in my life to be able to afford to take out a car loan and to know that that car loan is not going to stop me from doing what God has called me to do in my life. My wife and I tithe to the church a certain percentage, above and beyond what God has called us to do. And I know that God has blessed me and my wife financially enough that we can go out and get a car, and that's not going to hinder what I give back to God. Okay? That's not what Paul's talking about. What Paul is talking about, briefly, is this. Most of us... Especially me, when I was coming up as a wee little boy, spent way more money than I had because I had not yet given to me. There's a difference. And so what happened was, is I racked up all kinds of debt in my life that became my master. Now, every life decision I make is not made by what God wants me to do. It's made by what the bank wants me to do. The amount of effort that I put into the mission that God has called me to do is dictated now by the bank, not by God. So when Paul says you should not owe anything 
to anyone outside of the love that God has called you to pay to them. What he's saying to you is, because if you do, you will have a master other than God in your life. So whether or not I can afford it, whether or not I need it or want it, whether or not I lust after it, I need to be the guy that walks in and says, I can't afford it. I really want it. So just let me drive it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Because that is what takes courage. That's what is an understanding what my master or who my master really is. I've had to learn that the hard way. I'm still trying to get to the point where the only master in my life is God. But here's what I can tell you as a commitment in front of you right now. My wife and I recognized that years ago, and we've been working on it ever since. It's going to take time because it took time to get me to where I am right now financially. So it's going to take time to get me out. And I pray every morning that God sends me a million dollars and I can just get rid of it now. And one day he will. In heaven with my golden rose somewhere. I don't know. Right? Here's what I want you to get to. I want you to get to the idea that when God calls you into something, he's calling you as your soul master, as the one in whom you have been called to serve. That's the true possession or the true description of what God is calling you to. I call it a possession because the truth is what I want God to call me into, I want to possess me. I wanted to possess my thoughts, to possess my heart, to possess my passions. I want when I wake up in the morning that the first thing I think about is what am I to do today to please God? We don't do that. We wake up in the morning and we say to ourselves, what is the first thing I've got to do today because I've got something at 9 and 9.30 and 9.45 and 10.15 and 10.20 and 10.45 and 11 and your mind is already going. Women, you're the worst. I'm telling you right now because God has created you as smarter human beings than men. It's the truth. And here's how I know that. My wife goes to bed next to me. My head hits the pillow. I start thinking about the car shows I'm about to watch that will put me to sleep. My wife's head hits the pillow and she leans over to me and goes, Honey, we have to do this and that and this and that, and you need to do this and that and this and that, and we got to come here and there and go there and this and that and this. And I'm going, I just want to watch my car show and go to sleep. But it's ongoing. It possesses who we are. Now, I'll tell you this. If I did not marry a woman who was that way, I would literally be a blob on the stage not doing anything. God has given her to me to direct my path when I fail to do so for myself. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. So Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves one another has fulfilled the law. And here's how I love how he proves this. He says... The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not murder, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Have you heard that before? 
Do you know where Paul learned that? From the dude, from the man. That is passed down from teacher to disciple. Do you know how you know it? Why we teach it? Because you are a disciple, and it is passed down from the man to you as a disciple. And it is this, quit worrying, quit sweating the small stuff. Paul says, look, if I can stand over here in a corner and say to myself that I have not committed murder today, I'm a good Christian. Yeah? Have you committed murder? Good Christian. Now, if I can go over here about an hour later and say to myself, I have not in the last since I did not commit murder, committed murder it's been at least 45 minutes and since the last time I didn't commit murder I have yet to commit a murder good Christian what am I saying about myself I am saying that if I can define my spiritual walk by these laws and commands that are put forth then what I can begin to do is manipulate myself and my spirituality to believe that if I can do these really well and some of these not so well, I'll just outweigh the not so well with the really well. And therefore, I can just stand on this side of the room and say, hello, I'm a good Christian. When the truth is, what Jesus simply stated is, take the game out of your faith. And stand on this, that if you can learn to love people as much as you love yourself, and Jesus knows that's a lot, then all of this takes care of itself. And I don't have to figure out what I did right and did wrong and what Sam hasn't done right, what he should be doing, and Courtney's not good at this and she should be better at that and I'm judging and testing and everything. the truth is all I need to worry about is loving you now here's the second part of the problem you see the people that Paul wrote this to are exactly like we are and as soon as we hear these are the things that God has called us into doing they do what you do they start going but I'm busy. I get it. It sounds cute. And I'm going to tell people I'm doing it. I'm going to wear it on my shirt, right? I'm going to put it on the sign of our church. We're going to wave it as a flag. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and let them do that because I don't have the time. They said the exact same thing that we think. And so here's Paul's rebuttal to that, and I love it. It's right after he says love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore it is the fulfillment of the law. Then he says this, the very next verse, because he hears all of you saying to yourself, well, you ain't got the time. He says this, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. 
Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. What does that mean? That means this. There's this beautiful story in Scripture of the disciples who watch Jesus ascend into heaven right after he gives them their mission. Go. He literally says the first word is go. And he goes up into the sky and they stay. (laughs) They do. The Bible tells us this. They stay. To the point that an angel has to come down and go, "Uh, what are you looking at? (laughs) He's gone. I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. Go look. And the disciples, you know, they want to argue. Yeah, but he said he's coming back. Well, yeah, but he also said go. Right? It's in there, I'm telling you. What I love about this scripture is the fact that it pulls to your heartstrings enough to say there is a part of you that should be looking up. There's a part of your spiritual being that should be anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. There's a part of you that should get excited about that. And there should be in every one of you this passion that drives you to just wonder when. Because that is what drives me. I love all of you, but I want to be with him. That's the passion that drives you. And so Paul says, listen, your salvation in this moment is closer than it was in that moment. The seconds that tick by in your day. Every second that goes by should spark you a little bit because you're that much closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And we live in a world where we have allowed time to manipulate us to the point where we no longer anticipate that. Matter of fact, all we're worried about is our meeting. Now, that's important. That's very important in your life, and I understand that but it's not more important. And if it's become more important, then we have a problem. Let's keep reading. He says, your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. Verse 12, and the night is nearly over, and the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh what's he saying stop wasting your time you're wasting time What God has called you to do, you waste on the sins of the world that are as simple as this. If what you are participating in is taking time away from you loving people and loving God, then guess what? It's a sin. Now, church, we're really good at making lists. We're good at it. And we have to have lists 
in order that we can judge other Christians. Because we're harsher on other Christians than we are on anyone else. For some reason in the church, we have felt justified to judge each other. And we use verses like iron sharpens iron and all the other scriptures in the Bible to tell you to test and to confess and everything else to each other. We, we justify our judgments based on those verses. But here's where we get it wrong. If God has instructed me to love you, and in my judgment of you, you feel anything but loved, guess what I'm doing? I'm sinning. We call that dissension. We call that envy. Because a lot of us judge based on envy. And so our churches become more painful than our offices. And I'd rather be at work than at church on a Sunday morning. Because there's no freedom there. There's judgment there. If your mission is to love, then the first place it has to show its face is right here. You as my family, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, better know above anyone else that you can come to me exactly how you are, and I will not judge you. I will love you. I don't care what you look like, what you're addicted to, who you love, what relationship you're in, what value you stand on. I know that when you walk in those doors and you come to me, I will love you. And that is a hard thing to do in the church. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I've been in Christian relationships that I couldn't wait to get out of. And I've been in worldly relationships that I couldn't wait to get into. Because I felt more love in the sin than I felt in the freedom. And that is sin. You follow me? I want to close with this simple thing. It's time for us, disciples of Jesus Christ, to get up and get out of bed. It's time for us to wake up, to see the sunshine, to realize the night is over. It's time for us to get dressed in the armor of God, to realize what truth and what freedom and what peace and what joy and what righteousness and what living the way that God has called us to live will provide for us in our lives. And it is time to make time for the mission of God on our life. Above all other debts. This is the debt that needs to be paid. It's my responsibility as your brother in Christ to love you through whatever you're going through. And I know for some of you, it's not easy. And I know for some of you, it is. 
I've heard testimonies of people who have come in and said, you have no idea what it's like being single for as long as I have. Or you have no idea what it's like looking in the mirror every single morning and hating what you see because the abuse has happened in my life. And I've heard almost similar testimonies come into me and say, you have no idea what it's like walking into a church full of pain and not having any. God's blessed me, but I'm afraid to say it. It may be two extreme sides of our Christian pond, but the truth is we're all on a different journey. And I refuse to allow your journey to call you by name. Because no matter what you're going through or where you are in life, if you're here, you're in my family. And I will love you. I will celebrate with you and I will cry with you but I will be with you. And as a church, we will make that commitment to each other. And if you can't make that commitment, you need to find another church. It's that simple. Because we carry the name of love on our chest. Look, it's right there. I felt like Superman right there. My sister actually went, oh. Will you stand with me? Here's your challenge for the week. You ready? Anyone? All right, here we go. Your challenge for the week is this. Open your eyes and wake up. Wake up to the possibilities that are around you every single day. Wake up to the idea that you can be vulnerable enough to allow people into your lives that you have held out thus far. Wake up to the responsibility that God has given you to open your heart to people who have may not felt loved for a very long time. Wake up to the realization that our church has blocked people out for far too long who don't look like us Or love like us. And that's going to stop here. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And we're going to stop hurting people. And we're going to love them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. No matter where they come from. Because this will not be a place of guilt, but a place of freedom. And it will not be a place of abuse, but a place of support. And when you walk in here, our small little dingy church is way too hot on Sunday mornings. We got a kid's room in the basement that, praise God for Emily, she's worked her butt off to make that what it is. We have a little shed out back that doesn't have enough storage space to even put anything in. But I'm going to tell you this right now. We have people who will love. And that's the comment I get more than anything. So my challenge to you is don't stop. 
Open your heart. Open your mind. Step forward. Love who they are when they get here and when they get here. Put your inhibitions behind you. Put your restrictions behind you. Put the way the church has taught you to love behind you and love the way that Jesus has taught you to love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your calling and your mission on this church. I thank you, Father, that in a world and a church that so often gets it wrong, Father, that we can confess to you right now and say that we know and we see it and it's not justified and it's not right. And, Father, we pray this morning that you renew in us a passion for you that can't wait to see your face in your glory again, that can't wait to bow before you and call you Savior, that cannot wait to love in the way that you have called us to love. And so, Father, this morning we commit ourselves as a church to no longer value time but love. To know that you have called us and to accept that calling. And Father, most of all, to know it is not for our glory, but for yours alone. Not for one love church, but for you. And we thank you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we do so. Amen. Let's worship.